Welcome to Move by Grace, the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio. Well, good morning, everyone. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to John chapter 2 if you're not already there. If you need a Bible, there should be some on the ends of each row, and we want you to be following along John chapter 2. Uh, and again, if you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those blue Bibles that we have. Well, we're glad to give it to you uh, because we believe it's important to have a workbook for life. Amen? All right. So we're in a, we're in a, a series called uh, The Incarnation, New Beginnings, The Incarnation of God. We're looking at how John has manifested Jesus in the Scripture. And today there's a key word. I want you to say that key word with me. That key word is belief. Say that. Belief. Let me give you a definition real quick. It should be up on screen if you're following along or you're taking notes. Belief is the acceptance that a statement is true. Belief is an acceptance that a statement is true or a condition is true. It is a confidence in someone or something. Okay, so it's an acceptance that things are true. It's a confidence in someone or something that there is, there is truth. We, we believe that, that snow is white. We believe that water is wet. We believe that rock is hard. But we've kind of experienced those things, so we know that those are true. But what about those things that we haven't experienced, yet we know are true? We, we believe in around earth, though we've never been to space, we believe in love. I believe in a thing called love, right? We, we, we believe in gravity. We believe in things that we can see and we believe in things that we can't see. Belief is an acceptance of a statement that is true. Acceptance of a condition that is true. It's a confidence in someone or something that is truth. But, everybody say but. Okay, so, so biblically, biblically, uh, belief is huge, right? Say that, belief is huge. All right, you've you got to understand that. It is the linchpin of the book of John. It is the word that is used over and over and over and over again. That, that belief, for those that believe in his name, he has granted them eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what's the word? Believe. Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Belief is huge. It's not in facts. We don't believe in the facts about Jesus. We don't believe in just the fact that we know about Jesus. We believe in something. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the word of God. We believe in the promises of God. We believe in God Himself. How many have seen God? No one has ever seen God and lived, the Scripture says, so I can answer that for you. Belief. I was thinking about belief this week. I was thinking about my kids. They've shown belief in all different kinds of ways towards us as parents. Uh, Alex, Alex believed that it was improper for her to sleep in her own bedroom, that she needed to sleep with us. She believed that. We didn't believe that. She believed that, right? And now she's the one who's moved the farthest away. I'm glad at 21 she stopped believing that. I'm just kidding. 
be awkward. Uh, we believe that, Abby, Abby believed that when we went on a mission trip to Portugal, I mean, she believed it, that we weren't coming back. We weren't coming back. Like, she held to my leg. You know, you've been there sometimes, dads, right? And she's breaking your heart because she's, you're not coming back. I know you're not coming back. Ben believed he was Superman. And see, most of you are like, I mean, my kids have grown up here, so you're like, yeah, get it, right? But when he was, like, really young, he thought he could swim without those floaties, right? And we would tell him, no, you don't know what you're doing. No, I know what I'm doing, Dad. I know what I'm doing. So, so when we were eating dinner, he slipped out and jumped in the pool and straight to the bottom. His belief changed in a moment. Right? And then he believed, then he believed <laughs> that I could not swim apart from Dad holding on to me. And that had to change quickly. So, again, we went back and forth on that. Belief. Belief is a huge thing. You're not here to talk for me to talk to you about my kids' belief, though, right? There's an importance that comes in our text that we were looking at today. J. Vernon McGee says, what do you mean when I say, do you believe? See, that's the title of our message. What do you believe? What, what do you know what you believe? J. Vernon McGee, long since now with the Lord, he said, what do you mean when you say, do you believe? Do you just believe the facts? Or do you trust Jesus as your Savior who died for your sins? What do you believe? Write this down, the hub of our message. True belief in Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. True belief in Jesus Christ saves and satisfies forever. True belief in Jesus Christ saves and satisfies forever. And it's going to be in four points. I'm just going to try and show you that basic principle that true belief in Jesus Christ saves and satisfies forever. Let me ask you again before we go to prayer. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, so you know, like, all the frustrations I've had this week. You know the burden and the pain and the wrestling. And God, I, I pray as you have answered all of those questions for me. Now, Father, I ask that you would answer all of those questions for us. I love what John writes. That many things were written, and these things were written that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so God, our goal is to be fully in love with you and to glorify you with our voices and our, and our presence and our, our everything. And help us in our unbelief. Help us that we might Believe as your scripture calls for. Be with me now as we, as we open your word and, and just be the, the speaker for your words to come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, take your Bibles, please, in John chapter 2. We're going to look at those verses again that, that um, Justin read for us. We're going to read them again. We need to be familiar with them. This is a lynch a pin, a turning moment in our text because it is talking about what Jesus had, had done and where the text is going in the future. Verse 23 says this, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. If you don't have that in your Bible underlined already, highlighted, you should do that. Verse 25, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he knew What was in man? That's our text. Four things that we're going to look at today. True belief is belief in Jesus. True belief is belief that's accepted by Jesus. True belief is belief that results in true salvation. And true belief is belief that results in assurance of our salvation. Okay? So there you have the roadmap. Now let's look at it. True belief is belief that is in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. He says, now, he was in Jerusalem. He stayed in Jerusalem after the Passover. And many believed in the name of Jesus because he was doing signs. Because they saw the signs that he was doing. Now, the people were wowed. The people were, like, amazed. You ever, you ever been, like, wowed or amazed by a... I, I just learned in October... Uh, Blathmath, guys know Blathmath, the magician. That's a really hard word to say. He's going to be back here on like a Saturday doing a, a, a show for the House of Samuel and for our church and for the community, right? And he does tricks. Jared talks about the bowling ball trick. That's pretty amazing. He does tricks, and you're like, oh, I believe he's a music, uh, magician. Musician, I don't think he's a musician. Roger's a musician. Because we saw what he did. But the problem is this is not belief in the terms of what Jesus is talking about in John 3.16. We'll come back to that in a minute, but false belief. False belief is based on the fact that they got something from Jesus. He was miracle Jesus to these people. They were going to make him king because of all the miracles that he could do. Later on, John chapter 6, we're going to meet bread Jesus. We're going we're to anoint the bread king because he can feed us 5,000 5, people. He can feed us fish and, and bread. Let's anoint him king. And they tried and Jesus left because they believed in what the facts were that he could do these things, not in the truth of the gospel. They believed that Jesus would make everybody healthy and that he would destroy the Romans. Bread king Jesus would feed us and he would defeat the Romans. You're thinking, that's kind of foolish. We don't, we don't do anything like that today, don't we? I think we look at Jesus like this picture I have here. Nope, not that one. That one. Vending machine Jesus. What can I get from Jesus today? B5. This isn't, my, um, this isn't my five lists here, but 
I agreed with them. Five false Jesuses that we, we tend to believe in today. Benefit Jesus. That's number one. Benefit Jesus. I'm never going to have a problem again if I come to Jesus. Never going to. Life is going to be perfect. All Christians in the room. Is that true? That's right. No temptation is seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but you will be tempted. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you may stand up under it, benefit Jesus. That's false Jesus. Like, now that I've come to Jesus, I'm going to get everything. Here's another one. Religious Jesus. Religious Jesus is like, you ever see those people wearing the crosses? Right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with wearing a cross. I have a problem with the people that wear the cross with Jesus still on it because he ain't on the cross anymore. Or, or they, they pray to a statue. Or they, they bury a statue. Or they, they, they're so in love with the stained glass because Jesus is in the stained glass. That's false. How about, how about superstitious Jesus? Hope I spelled that right. Right? Like, Jesus is my lucky rabbit's foot. If I need it, I'm going to get it. I'm just going to rub me a little Jesus. Right? I got me a four-leaf clover Jesus. Superstitious Jesus. Or how about home run Jesus? Like, how many have ever watched a sporting event and the guy gets up to the plate? Right? Like, Jesus be in this fastball as I crank it over the wall. Or the guy who kneels in the end zone. I'm... I'm it's okay, but if, that's, if you're doing it because you're going to get a touchdown. I've said this before. There was a moment when I was average height with everybody else and I played basketball. Those days are gone. But in those moments, we went to a Christian school. We played other Christian schools. And we were both over there praying Jesus to send down fire and brimstone to the other, the other bench and to lift us up, right? Like that's home run Jesus. We wanted Jesus to do everything that we needed him to do and that's not true. Angry Jesus. There's people that preach hate in Jesus' name. Do we still do this today? You better believe it. Listen. Three things. Simply knowing the facts about Jesus is not enough. If you're here today and you know all the facts about Jesus, that is not belief. You can tell me when he was born. You can tell me where he was born. You can tell me that he went in, the, in a tomb for how many days and all the miracles. And you can know all of the facts about Jesus. But that's not belief. Simply knowing and approving the reality of Jesus is not enough. You can't just know the facts and you can't just say, yeah, there was a Jesus. There was a Jesus. Yeah, he lived. I know that. There was a reality. He did miracles. I know that. I know he said he was the son of God. There, there, I believe that those reality is true. That's not enough for salvation. And simply believing, listen, listen, simply believing in the gift I think I wrote it this way. Simply believing in Jesus for the reward is not enough. In other words, I don't like the other place. You know, you talk about at the end of my life and there's two places I'm going to go and so I don't like the other place so I'm going to believe in this place. 
and I'm going to go to heaven. And a lot of people get upset when we talk about Jesus and heaven, like, can't you just talk about heaven? No, because heaven is Jesus, right? If it were me and Jesus on an island, that would still be heaven, but he's made a place for us that is beautiful. I don't want to get stuck on the gold streets because too many people are like, you talk about hell and I don't want to go there. That's not belief in Jesus. That kind of belief, James says in James 2.19, that even the demons believed and shuddered, were scared. None of these are, are wrong in and of themselves, but if we're claiming that as belief, that's not belief. Wayne Grudem is an author that I appreciate, and he said this, one who has true belief, one who has true saving faith, has moved from investigating, excuse me, investigating to believing and trusting. See, this is investigating, these other ones that I just said. But one who has moved from investigating to believing to trusting. In what? In Jesus Christ. In trusting in the fact that he was the anointed one. That he was the Messiah. Trusting in the fact that he fulfilled the law. He lived a victorious life. He did something we couldn't do. He lived a victorious life over sin. He died a death. We should have died. He was buried. But because he was God, he was buried in a borrowed tomb and three days later gave that tomb back because he had power over hell and death. He rose again and he intercedes for us. Now my question is, do you believe that? What I say when I say belief is this. Let's show that other picture, Jacob. You've heard this story, right? The story of Blondin, the guy who said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take somebody across. Everybody believed. Everybody knew the facts about Blondin, right? Everybody said he could walk across the Niagara Falls on a four-inch tightrope, no problem. And he did it several times, and he did cartwheels, and he did somersaults. He did... But when he said, if you guys really believe in me, I want to carry somebody across, nobody wanted to go. A true belief, you get on the back. You get on the back. You can know all the facts about Jesus. You could say all, all the things that you believe are true. You can memorize all the scripture, but until you're willing to get on the back of Jesus... There's a problem between us and God. There is a gulf between us. Our sin separates us from God. And we can't work to get there. We, we can pull out our wallet at the, and pull out our best credit card. That won't even pay for the debt that we owe. We can't build something across to God. We need someone who will take us to Him. Who will intercede on our behalf. And we must trust we must climb on his back. Well, um, can I bring a backpack? Why? Imagine being the guy on the back of Blonde and showing up with your backpack with your stuff in it. You think he'd let you get on? Blondin held the rules there, right? No. You want to add like 50 pounds of weight by bringing your backpack? 
You can't do that. You can't do it with Jesus either. What can't you bring? Well, if I were to open up my backpack, maybe I'd have money in there because I got lots of money. I want to take it with me. Me, Jesus, and my money. No, that's not belief. You're believing in your money still. What's me, Jesus, and my property? <laughs> Imagine putting your property in your back pocket. Right? No. It's Jesus, me, Jesus, and my prestige. Like, I'm there because of who I am, plus Jesus is going to take me across. No. It's G- Jesus, me, and the education that I have. The family that I'm... It's me, Jesus, and I brought grandma because my faith is like grandma's faith, right? And God doesn't have any grandkids. Everybody has a personal relationship with him. And trusting in Jesus doesn't come with backpacks. Trusting in Jesus is in Jesus alone. I got, oh, there's a good spot for an amen there. Trusting in Jesus is in Jesus alone. If you can't say amen, you better say ouch. In John 66, they said that, or John 6, verse 66 is many of the believers, quote unquote, heard what Jesus said and said that was a hard word, and many stopped following him that day. Yet to his disciples, he says, You too, will you leave me now? I love what Peter says in John 6, verse 69. He says, Where will we go? We believe that you have been given the words of life and that you are the Son of God. True belief is in Jesus Christ, the authentic Jesus. It's not in what I know. It's not in the reality. It's not in the reward. It is in Jesus. And true belief is accepted by Jesus Notice verse 24. True belief is belief that is accepted by Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Because if we look at verse 23, it says, many believed because of the signs that he was doing. And now in verse 24 we notice, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them. You should underline that part. Underline believe and entrust in verse 23 and in verse 24. It's the same word. John is writing and he's, I mean, I wish he would have just put it this way, but however we translate it, it's the same word. He's like, many believed, but Jesus didn't believe. Why? My dad and I had a conversation yesterday, and I believe this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Because Jesus knew all people. Jesus knows. Think about that. Jesus knows. Jesus knows you. And if you're playing a game, he knows that game. I wrote in my notes, John is manifesting his deity and his omniscience that Jesus knows everything. Notice he notices, he knows all people, all of us and not only does he know us all he knows what's in us all and think of all the people that thought well I thought I you know I mean I, I, I trusted in you I read those words I said those prayers I signed that card and and he says no depart from me 
for I do not know you. I love what David wrote in Psalm 139. You have searched my heart, and you know me. And he goes on to talk about not only God's omniscience, but his omnipresence. And he, and he, where can I hide from your spirit? Where can I run from you, God? Can I, if I go to the, the highest heights, you are there. If I go to the lowest depths, if I go to the grave, if I go to Sheol, you are there. There's no place I can hide from you, God. And at the end of it all, this great 25-verse psalm, he, he says, now God, now God, search me again and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Jesus knows everything. Listen, the point is this. Listen, everyone who says they know Jesus doesn't know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Test yourself. Everyone who says they know Jesus doesn't know Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus, right? That's what it is to trust. I thought about uh, Matthew 8 this week. Matthew 8, Jesus had done some miracles. Many people were like coming up to him and many people were excited, just like this scenario here. And there was a scribe who came up to him and, and he asked the question, he said, Jesus, where do you live? Like, because you're a famous rabbi, you got many people following, you must live in a big house. And Jesus says, Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus went right to the heart of the issue. Are you willing to follow me even if I don't have a house? Then another man came to him and said, but Lord, I want to follow you, but let me bury my father yet. And, and, and the problem was his father wasn't dead. right? Because you, you read what Jesus says, and you think, oh, that's kind of insensitive. But no, Jesus saw through it. He's like, let me bury my father. I'll get my inheritance. We'll have plenty of money to do this thing with you. And Jesus is like, no, no. Let the dead bury their bed. You dead, you follow me. And then the rich man came to him. And what did he say? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's just like, keep the law. Well, I do that. I do that. Well, then Jesus says, sell everything and give it to the poor and follow me. And the scripture says he left because those things were more important than following Jesus. True belief is belief in Jesus, and true belief is accepted by Jesus. Now let's take our Bibles and turn back a little bit further to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to finish our time in this portion of Scripture today. Because I think it's a horrible thing to, to begin a message, leave you stranded thinking, well, do I know the truth? Right? So I want to give you the truth. Again, the same author, a different book, same message, belief, love, the work of God. John MacArthur said, genuine salvation, genuine saving faith demands wholehearted commitment to Jesus as Lord of one's life, as Lord of my life, commitment to Jesus. So write this down, true belief is belief that results in true salvation. 
I'm sure that for the moment I've been doing a pretty good job of tearing down maybe what your faith was. Let's just build it back up for a minute. John chapter 5, John is writing and he says this in verse 10. Pull this off of there. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. Now, here's our verse. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son, that is to say, That is to say, who has set their own things aside, who has taken up their cross and followed him, whoever has by faith believed in Jesus for faith and repentance, the scripture says, whoever has the Son has life. All in favor of that? Say, all right. Right. It goes on to say, whoever does not have the Son of God, that is to say, they have intellectual knowledge, they know the facts, but they have not placed their faith They have not repented. They do not have life. Now I say repentance and faith. I say faith and repentance because, number one, both are gifts from God. You need to understand that. Both are gifts from God. And both are referenced in the Bible as a mark of one who has followed Jesus, who has true salvation. In fact, Acts chapter 20, verse 21, Paul is speaking, and as he is speaking to the people, he's like, repent towards God and in faith, or faith in Jesus Christ. Repent towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. Notice what he's doing there. Your faith is in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, you are to repent from your dead works and faith towards God. So, repentance and faith are a mark of true salvation. Faith is this. Let's just define it real quick, right? It's not this fine young lady sitting here on the second row. Biblical faith is a conscious decision to turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Faith says, I can't do it myself. I can't do it myself. I need to trust in someone else. Now that, listen, that is a huge anti-American message. I love my country. I've served my country. We are self-made. We are independent. Faith says I need to be interdependent. I need to depend on someone to save me. Repentance is a conscious decision to turn away from my way, my sin, my life, myself, as the answer for life. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get away from me because I'm the problem. So, repentance says, I was wrong and you were right. Faith says, I can't do it myself. Now, it's, a, it's what we call a two-sided coin. The key is, you can't do it your way. 
In fact, I love what uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, turn to God from idols and serve the living God. Repentance and faith right there. The first step is always towards God. You understand that, right? We turn to Jesus Christ, and in turning, we are repenting of what we were following as our Savior and our Lord, basically ourselves. You can't do this by yourself. True salvation says, I can't get, I can't, I, 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 I have to have faith. I have to repent. Now, the beauty is, listen, you don't have it in you to save yourself. You don't have the faith. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, the gift of God is faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Grammatically, that goes back to, it is the gift of God, goes back to faith. You don't have the faith. So what does God do? Because God is awesome, amen? He gives you the faith. You don't have the faith in yourself to believe in me. I'm going to give you the faith. You know what else God does? He gives you repentance. Acts chapter 16. It says that uh, that, that they were going to, excuse me, Acts chapter 11. The disciples praised God because God had granted, God had granted repentance to the Gentiles. It's a great verse. Because, see, both of those are gifts from God. In and of yourself, you don't have the ability to repent. You can try. 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 And you just get frustrated. Jerry and I were talking about this this morning. I just, difficult moment with a, a couple that I've been ministering to, but he's, he's been trying to do it without the Lord. And he just, he's angry. Because sooner or later, that, that's all it gets you is, anger when you try to do it yourself you can't you can't you need that gift that comes from God it's not you and Jesus true salvation is in Christ alone fourthly true salvation true belief is belief that gives assurance of eternal life True belief is belief that results in true salvation. It comes through repentance and faith. And true belief is belief that gives the assurance of eternal life. Notice verse 13. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know you have eternal life. How can we be sure? Well, verse 14 says, this is the confidence that we have. That if we ask of God anything according to his will, he gives it to us. And we know what is the will of God, that no man should perish, and all should come to the knowledge of the truth, Paul wrote. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Right? So we know that we ask for salvation. God desires that no man should perish. So we know that if we ask of him, we have what we ask, of him, verse 15 says. We have this. This is the truth. I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may have the assurance of eternal life. 
that you may know that you have eternal life. The hub of this message is true belief in Jesus Christ saves and satisfies forever. Do you believe that? I know that many of you here have been believers for many years, or maybe even just for a short time, and you would testify yes, yes, and amen to everything there. I, I believe that it saves, and I believe that it is satisfied. It has been satisfying. It is satisfying, and it will satisfy forever. But true belief is belief that is in Jesus Christ. And true belief is belief that Jesus Christ recognizes as true belief. You know, one of the things that you can do as you're testing your life is ask yourself, do I have the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Is God's Holy Spirit living in me? Well, how, how do I know that, Nate? Well, Galatians, uh, I believe chapter 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and my more loving. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Do I have that supernatural delight in God and the people of God and the purposes of God? Love, joy, peace, am I more peaceful? Or am I just a, a ball of anger? Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, well, I'll stop driving. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Am I, am I a gentle person? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. You can do the list, right? Do you believe? Do you believe? Let me just finish this way. Right? Do you believe that you're a sinner? You don't have to answer out loud, but uh, all of us are. And if you think, I mean, chance, if you think you're perfect, just ask your parents. Right, which I thought. So we can establish that we're all sinners. Do you see that your sin has separated you from a holy God? Do you see that? Do you know that, that you are isolated, that you are cast out, that you are far from God who loves you? We can't go on until you get that. That your sin separates you from a holy God. And if you're watching online, now's the time to tune in, to lean in, to be present. That you are guilty and no work that you can do. No amount of money that you have. No, justice awaits you. God's justice awaits you. There is a punishment for that sin. We've already established all of us are sinners. You can choose to believe that there is a punishment for sin or you can continue in the course in which you are currently living. You have separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's a place of no hope. There's no way out. There's no purgatory. There's God's gift, eternal life. There's separation from God, eternal damnation. Your good works that you think are winning you heaven are nothing more than dirty diapers. How's that for an image? 
God looks at them and says, gross. You think that you can subvert my plan of salvation? No. So you have two options. We've established we're sinners. And we've established the fact that our sin is separated us from God. There's a punishment to be paid. So the options are do nothing. Do nothing. That's a bad plan, but some people hold tight to that. Some people grind it out, white-knuckled, I'm going to be the captain of my soul, try, 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 I'll be as good as I can, and they only end up in one big mess. Like Judas, tossed, ultimately, too much to handle. But ready for some good news? You can climb on Jesus' back. You can trust him. He can bridge the gap, and he will. He will carry you over. What do I bring? Nothing to the cross I bring, only to the cross I cling, someone once wrote. God so loved the world that he provided a way, and that he gave us the gift of faith, and that he gave us the gift of repentance. Because we don't have the capacity to do it. He provided the way, and that is Jesus Christ. That any who believe, believe in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Faith isn't in the facts. The faith isn't in the, the, the gift. The faith is in Jesus. He is the one I trust He is the one who is the fulfillment of God's scripture. He is the one who is God of very gods. Do you believe that? Listen, listen. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? The second person of the Godhead? Do you believe that? That he became a man? That he did what you couldn't do? That he lived a perfect life? Do you believe that? That he came to deal with what we couldn't deal with, our sin? Do you believe that? That in dying for us and being buried in a borrowed tomb and giving that tomb back three days later, that he had the power over death, that he justifies us, that he saves us, and that he is currently at the right hand of the Father and one day will return as King of kings and Lord of lords? Do you believe that? The result of that belief is you're justified. As our worship team comes, understand the truth, the beauty of the truth of coming to Jesus in this belief that you are justified. You were guilty. The gavel had, I mean, it wasn't like the verdict was still out. The verdict was in. Guilty. But God made you not guilty. And when you come to him, you are justified. When you come to him, you are forgiven. You owed a debt. You couldn't pay. He paid the debt. In coming to him, you were adopted. You were not in his family. Now you are in his family. And he gives good gifts to his children. In coming to him, you were redeemed. Think of it. Redeemed. You were on the block as a slave. 
He redeemed you and set you free. And in coming to Him, you were reconciled. See, maybe God is just always a fog for you because you're behind a wall right now. You, you can't reach God. You can't go to God. But when you come to Him in faith, repenting of your sins, God kicks down that wall and runs to His children. I love the beautiful picture in the story of the prodigal son. It's not the son running to the father, but it's the father running to the son, reconciling the relationship. And those are the beautiful things that He gives us in salvation. Do you believe that? Heavenly Father, come in the name of Jesus, our Savior. I think of the words that you have told your disciples, told the, the, the children of Israel, do you now hate me because I tell you the truth? God, sometimes your, your word is a dividing rod. It, it, it just separates. Our intent is not to separate today. Our intent is to show the beauty of the gospel that you made a way, that many believed in the great things you were doing, but that wasn't the truth. We must know that we know that we know that you are the Son of God. So, Father, I pray any who are wrestling right now with the truth that, that why have I come to Jesus? Is it just for the things I get? Is it just for the eternal life part? Do I really believe as my life really changed God you, you, you expect sanctification your will is that we change you, you've not saved us to remain the same so Father I pray for anyone here today that has misguided faith it's not true faith it's, they've not believed and this is a hard word but God you are the one who saves you are the one who opens the ears to hear and just pray in this moment that they would believe. That their heart would be quick to believe. That you would quicken their, their mind to understand the truth that is from your word that you give for those who believe in your son and his finished work. I believe what Romans tells us is true when it says that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead. It's important that we understand there was a penalty that was to be paid and you paid it at the cross, Jesus. And I believe you did that for me. You did that for all these in the room. But you didn't stay dead. You had victory over death. And I confess that you are the Son of God, my Savior pray for anyone here who has not done that still holding tightly to their own things their own way their own truth their own life that they would hear the words of scripture that you are the only way the only truth and the only life and no man comes to the father except through you and they would put their faith and their trust their belief in you and they would do it today just a moment we're going to sing a closing song in Christ alone 
my hope is found. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I would just wonder maybe if I could pray for anyone here today who's struggling in this area. Like, I, I don't know, Nate. I don't know if I'm saved. I want to know for sure. I want to pray for you because you have to do the hard work between you and God. If you would, just slip up your hand. No one's looking. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? I'm struggling, Nate. I just... All right, Father, we pray for this one who's afraid he's just going through the motion. We pray that you would draw them into your kingdom. Father, we we believe, we believe that this is your day. This is your truth. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio, check out our website at harvestcambridge.org. Or like us on Facebook at Harvest Cambridge. You are loved.